Welcome to Museum Way, the podcast of Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. We're sharing all the ins and outs of the museum, from the galleries to the trails, the architecture, and more. You'll learn the Museum Way of Crystal Bridges. On today's podcast, we're talking about two of our favorite things, art and nature. We'll meet field horticulturalist Cody George to learn how our trails and grounds team prepares for spring. And we'll also talk with curatorial assistant Dylan Turk to hear about his upcoming focused exhibition, The Garden, which is all about flowers. So let's jump into this episode of Museum Way. We're here with field horticulturalist Cody George. Welcome, Cody. Thanks so much. This is great. Yeah, great to have you. Thanks. So that title, field horticulturalist. Yeah. Tell us what that means. It's it's a good question. (laughs) Horticulture is a pretty broad term. It it, it essentially means growing and, and cultivating plants. So as a field horticulturist for the museum, my job is primarily to do that. I I cultivate plants for the enjoyment of others. So in our case, it's the enjoyment of guests. So it's it's, And staff members, I have to say. Oh, absolutely. We got to provide something for your walks, your daily walks. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, uh, but not only that, so that's it, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, there's plant identification, disease, pest identification. And then once, once those are uh, identified, you know, what means do we go? You know, we're, we have a naturalistic garden approach. And so we don't want to put on a whole lot of chemicals that are going to, you know, kill off our, our insects. And so we, we want to make sure we're, we're ecologically responsible. And so a lot of caterpillars will just leave on the, on the plants themselves. They may defoliate the plant, but it's okay. We're, we're providing food, and that's kind of an extreme approach for a public garden or a a, a pleasure garden because, you know, you, you automatically think you go to a garden, everything's got to be pristine. And, and so we don't mind some nibbling on, on some things for sure. So we don't mind birds eating the berries and that sort of thing. But I always ha- I have the it's a great privilege to you know lead lead a crew of uh, equally passionate gardeners as well. So how many is on your crew? So our horticulture crew, we've got myself and, and, and three others, and then we have a, a, a mowing crew of five, and then we have an irrigation specialist, so we've got 10 all together. Wow. Yeah. How many acres do you take care of with that? About 130. No way. Yeah, Well, and, but it's not all completely maintained. So we've got about 15 acres of maintained bed space, and we've got about 12 acres of turf grass. And then we have our forest, you know, we prescribe burn every year. So we're, we are maintaining our forest. So we want to make sure we're having our, uh, you know, healthy forest as well. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things about crystal bridges and our trails and grounds is its naturalist approach. It's sort of like, we want you to feel like you're in an Ozark forest, but then it's, it's, there are areas that are beautifully managed and kept. But so how do you decide what to leave rough? What do you choose to build up? Yeah. Tell me about that process. Yeah. Well, that leads into my um, unofficial self-proclaimed title. Oh. I, I, yeah. I gave this to my, it's, I'm the CEO of botanical acquisitions. So <laughs> I, I essentially get to, it, it really is a, a very enjoyable part of, of my, um, and that is not a just to be clear, a museum. <laughs> um, no, it, it's it's. Well, I'm going to start calling you. Thank you so much, and if <laughs> you and my wife will probably be the only two that does it. And so, going going back to to the to your question, you know, we we're predominantly native and indigenous species. We always want to keep 
you know, if we had a balance, we always want to keep a heavier balance towards the native species. You know, it's it's got to work in our zones. It's got to be attractive, but it also has to have some sort of benefit for wildlife. You know, we don't want it to be invasive. So it, there's an extreme amount of species. We're in a very diverse plant area, our zone, 6B. And so we, we, we get to play around with a lot, and it's, it's exciting. But we also play with some well-behaved non-native plants as, as well. So, yeah. Well, I can imagine that this show is all about, you know, part of our mission at Crystal Bridges is to unite the beauty of art with the power of nature. It's one of part of our mission statement. Absolutely. Um, and springtime, man. <laughs> That's a hot time. <laughs> What's it like getting ready for spring on these grounds? There's a lot going on out there. There's a lot going on. And, you know, it, it really starts in about autumn our preparation for spring. So we're, you know, we're, we are allocating new areas to be developed. So North Forest, for example, Mm -hmm. Um, we, we, we begin looking at areas that we want to expand and further on. Then we look at areas that, um, okay, our, our grounds have been in, in installed for six years. The areas that were in full sun are now, you know, in sheltered shade, you know, so the plant species have thinned out. Well, let's go back with, with something that's going to take these more, more of a permanent environmental situations. And so we start then and started the, you know, design process. It's a great part of my job that I thoroughly enjoy and getting into more is the garden design aspect, specking the plants, installing the plants. You know, we, we don't uh, subcontract a lot. We do our own irrigation. We do our own dirt work. We do mulch, trying to scale back on our mulching quite a bit. It's another sort of new new garden approach that we're, we're looking at as well. So that transitions into, into the winter where we're just, we're working on the trails when there's not an exceptional amount of people out. Okay. We can run equipment. We can do larger projects in the wintertime. And then once spring hits, so we're just about there, we're, we're falling on the tail end of that. That's when, you know, it's showtime. You know, people are coming out. They're wanting to walk around and, and enjoy our trails. So, you know, basic stuff, you know, or bed maintenance. You know, we want to make sure we have clean edges so that grass isn't creeping in. We want to make sure that there's not a lot of limbs and other debris laying around. So we t- kind of tidy up a little bit. And then we... You know, we'll start getting, we'll start, we start bed prep for our plantings that will get started around late April, early May. So, you know, we're, we're installing a couple thousand perennials this year, eh, maybe around a hundred trees and shrubs. So lighter on the trees and shrubs this year and increase our perennial outtake. So, or, or intake rather. So that will transition into summer and then we're in full maintenance mode, you know, mowing, weed eating, and then bed maintenance. That's, that's the name of the game until autumn. So let me ask you this. How is it that we tend to have a lot of dogwoods blooming for longer than they normally do? Right. Yeah. Our dogwoods are, and that is a hard, I love our dogwoods, but I get a lot of emails about when will they be in bloom. Uh (laughs) And so working, we work outside in nature and oftentimes we don't work against mother nature, but we have to work with it and telling people these things. You know, we've got 10 
cultivars and hybrids of dogwoods. So the majority of them were bred um, actually at the at Rutgers University. They have a great dogwood breeding program, Dr. Ellen Orton. And so with these different cultivars, we're playing with different sizes of, of blooms. We're, we're, we're working with different colors. So a fantastic one is called Stellar Pink, and it's a really flushed pink. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. And these are crossed with a, or a, a native and some non-native as well. And so by doing this, we're allowing for about a 60-day bloom time of dogwoods. So most dogwoods are going to bloom for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. But after, let's say, our, our native one, the, the flowering dogwood... After it blooms, something else, our Aurora um, dogwood's going to start blooming up, ramping up about that same time. So we're going to have all these different blooms going on, you know, one after the other. And so we can see dogwoods blooming from about early April all the way to the end, end of June. Or I'm sorry, end of May, early June. So it's really a great time. That's a little bit of behind the scenes Nature magic. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm <laughs> that I'm completely solely responsible for. Right? <laughs> Heavily based in yes, science, of course. That's right. <laughs> Another thing that a lot of people comment on our grounds are the various critters mm-hmm. that run around. Can you tell us a little bit about what kinds of animals you see on a pretty daily or weekly basis? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, again, it, it kind of harkens back a little bit to our design style and, and trying to be, you know, trying to find this balance between being ecologically responsible and aesthetically pleasing. And so by, by doing that, we, we have a great, great healthy ecosystem. You know, we've definitely deer. You yes, know, we love white, our deer. White, <laughs> the white-tailed deer are, are definitely prevalent. Beaver, otter, mink. Um, so no, if any fur trappers are listening... Please stay away. Stay away. Yeah. Um, or you can come. Just don't trap anything. Yeah. Yeah. Play uh, nice. Absolutely. But songbirds, I mean, just, I don't know how many species of songbirds, butterflies, moths, owls, chipmunks. We have a heron that flies we have around. herons. Hangs yeah, out. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, another great factor to any healthy ecosystems are snakes. Yes. Yeah, so we welcome these. You know, we we try to keep them away from trails and from the museum, although some do tend to creep in it from time to time. But so we try our best. To, when we get a call, we we go and and we uh, capture it and we we uh, put it in our snake bag and we release it. Our snakes and our turtles, like everyone else, is really loves the art. They're drawn oh, to it. Absolutely. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah, in fact, the black snakes, we saw a lot of them really hanging out with the Chihuly reeds (laughs) last last summer. They seem (laughs) to be drawn to that form. I wonder why. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they probably they probably like the color contrast. (laughs) Black and blue is just beautiful. Uh, Indeed. Together. And I will say that uh, we have turtles in our ponds. Oh, yeah. Turtles, fish, crawdads. There's a ton of kids love to, to go to Crystal Pond and uh, check out our, our, our spring bank. And then there's this bunch of crawdads there. So, And that welcomes in, you know, we've seen, I don't know if you know what a kingfisher is, but it's an absolutely wonderful bird that yes. will dive down and, and grab minnows, that sort of thing. And, of course, the herons will eat the crawdads, too. So it's it's really, really incredible. I mean, I consider myself a, a very lucky individual. You know, we have, we've got a great department. Our, our, our manager and, and director, Clay Walker and Scott Eccleston, are just really supportive of the work that we do and and trust that work and that's you know that's important for for anybody and then let alone 130 acres you've got a crew of 10 people who have ideas and and for those ideas to be heard 
you know, it, it's fantastic. Yeah, you know, another thing too that we uh, we have a great app that we've developed that people can uh, download. It's called CB Outdoors, and it's got a lot of rich information on the plants, the trees, and uh, there's also some programming that we do specifically around trails and grounds tours. Um, one of my favorites is that the owl thing where you can go and like the the owl what was do you the know owl that? prowl the owl prowl yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm definitely doing that this year yeah absolutely uh, it's a it's a great app and one of our gardeners on staff lauren she's working on increasing the number of of plants that are on the app and so if if you're not able to find a sign and you you're able to download cb outdoors then you can get on the trail that you're at and 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 hopefully you know be able to find that in there and you know you you kind of touch base on our on our nature series, Discover the Grounds, that we co-present with with Moira, I think was on the on, on the show as well, mm-hmm. and she's she's great to work with. But we have just a long list of guests, international or I mean national speakers and nature speakers and local folks, and it's an absolute blast. So I'm just happy and, and get to do podcasts. So yeah. what a great position field horticulture is coming. Yeah, to be. <laughs> the CEO man, CEO. botanical acquisitions. That's right. We're also on this podcast going to be talking to Dylan Turk, who was a curatorial assistant. And I understand that you two work together to develop the exhibition he's going to talk about, The Garden. Really fun to work with Dylan and his team and my manager, Clay. He's in this as as well. And we, um, you know, Dylan will probably talk about a little bit more, but um, they sort of presented the different works that will be in this exhibit. You know, what sort of correlation can, can we find between inside and the outside how can we bring the outside people inside and bring the inside people outside and it's a it's a great really true intersection between art and nature and so he brings these uh this list and uh, you know we kind of sit on it for i don't know a week or something like that and there's just there's concrete stuff you know there's oh here's a here's a wild violet well we have wild violets here's where you can find them mm-hmm. you know and but there's also different things like martin johnson he's hummingbirds are in there well we don't necessarily have that tropical species of plant or or hummingbird, but we do have a ruby-throated hummingbird that has a gr- really cool migration. Here are the plants that we've planted to attract this, and these also these are plants that you can plant at your home if you want to attract some hummingbirds. Oh wow! Yeah, and so it takes a little bit of a, a deeper look, and there's there's great you know magnolias. We've we've got a, a really great showing of magnolias from about April into into June as well. So we've got about six uh, six species of of magnolia, all different shapes and sizes, and you know, and so that brings into you know, moon gardens and, you know, stuff that is white and, and pastel colors that shows up at night. You know, if you, if, you know, gardens during the day are great, but they also have a fantastic personality at night. And so some of these uh, plants are really, really sort of showy, at, more showy at night. Some of them actually open up at night. Kind of like people, right? Absolutely. Some people are better in the morning. Some yeah. are better at night. Yes. Don't invite me to a nightly event. Um, <laughs> I enjoy the, the mornings. So is this something that people then will be able to sort of take with them outside and go? Yeah, absolutely. Out uh, on the grounds? Absolutely. So that's, you know, that's sort of the next step in this is is developing some some, some content or, or ways to, you know, take what you're seeing outside or um, inside and, and bring that outside. So it, it, he had a, just a fantastic, Dylan's got a great idea of um, wanting to sort of connect these two 
two world of guests, the inside folks and the outside folks. So this is a great way of doing it. So very, very excited to, to be, you know, kind of help out with it in a way. Well, I do know, Cody, that after this crazy winter that we're, it was so cold, we had a lot of moisture, people have been pent up. I'm sure everybody's ready to get out and enjoy the spring and to enjoy our grounds. So the CEO of Botanical Acquisitions, <laughs> um, a.k.a. our field horticulturalist, Cody George. Right. Thanks for coming by. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. The Beyond, Georgia O'Keeffe and Contemporary Art, opens May 26th. More than 30 of Georgia O'Keeffe's most important works will be the centerpiece for this unique exhibition. Alongside these iconic artworks, the exhibition will feature 53 works by a select group of 20 emerging contemporary artists who evoke, investigate, and expand upon O'Keeffe's artistic legacy. This exhibition introduces viewers to a new generation of American artists and allows for a fresh look at Georgia O'Keeffe through the lens of contemporary art. Learn more at crystalbridges.org. We're here with curatorial assistant Dylan Turk to talk about a new focused exhibition, The Garden. Welcome, Dylan. I'm so excited to be here. I've been waiting to be a part of this thing. I'm so excited. Well, we're really excited to have you and especially to talk about this new exhibition. Before we do that, can you tell me what exactly a focused exhibition is? Yeah, I can. So a focused exhibition is a really, it's a smaller in scale uh, than our large uh, temporary exhibitions that you see. But what it really allows is for our staff curatorial interpretations exhibition to experiment and work on kind of uh, an idea or a concept in a smaller scale that allows us to kind of go and experiment and innovate in something without having to, you know, bite off the entire huge temporary gallery space. So you've seen that we have actually been doing a lot of them. And the coolest part is our curatorial staff gets to work on passion projects or little nodes of something they think are interesting, and then kind of put it out in the world and get feedback and then refine it to potentially go into something else. Right. So in in fact, we currently, at least through May, have one of your focus exhibition shows called All or Nothing. Yes. Which is like... It happened so fast, but it's something I'm super proud of, and we've been getting amazing feedback of people just kind of wandering in. And I think that's also the beauty of the Focus Show, is it's in between, it's it's set inside of the permanent collection. So people are going through the permanent collection, and then all of a sudden there's like this little treat of, oh, something different. Right, um, and a lot of the objects are from our permanent collection, aren't they? Yeah, and that's important with the Focus Show, is we want to be able to use elements, objects, stories that we tell from our collection and be able to put them in a different context, maybe with an outside loan, or focus in on a specific element of their story in a Focus Show in a way that we wouldn't normally do in a just normal gallery hang. Right, so All or Nothing is all about black and white, basically. It is, and this idea of black is everything in light, but and uh, or is nothing in light, but essentially everything in color. And white is the opposite. And what happens when you remove color from something? And, and can that actually help our guests see process and material and technique behind the making of something? And it's pretty, let's be it honest. It really is. I mean, it really is an amazing, you got a lot of different mixed media in there and some really jarring and lovely and fascinating juxtapositions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so tell us about the concept for this new focused exhibition, The Garden. 
to be honest, it really happened <laughs> when I was kind of coming up with uh, ideas and thinking about what we needed to fill and, and as we were looking at our exhibition schedule. And I was thinking for spring, and then that scene from Devil Wears Prada popped into my head uh-huh. where Meryl Streep's character is kind of sitting at the table and the editors are going around and pitching their concepts, and someone pitches florals in spring, and she says, florals for spring, uh, groundbreaking. And I kind of thought, maybe it's not groundbreaking, but it's everywhere. Like, we can't not see it. It's in fashion and culture, and and it goes back thousands of years in human history. This fascination and enchantment with flowers. So I understand there are some really new ideas in this exhibition that we haven't tried before, and a lot of firsts, yeah? Yeah, there really is, and it's so exciting. For example, like, if you were to walk through all the spaces, the first space in the garden is a totally immersive paper flower installation by this artist Jessica Jessica Pazella. And that has this amazing regional connection because Shindig Papery has actually come in as a sponsor of that project to give all of the materials for her to kind of take this space over and create this immersive garden environment all made out of paper. Oh, great. Shindig. Yeah. Coming in. Yes. And so I I like that when we have someone from Portland, an artist, and is now getting to engage with and meet what's happening here outside of the museum as well. And then if you move into the next space, first off, the walls are going to be uh, all wallpapered, and all of the wallpaper is sponsored by Rebel Walls. They're this super interesting, they call them wall murals, uh, interesting uh, company based out of Sweden, and they're actually scaling these murals to totally fit our space. And so that will help actually make the installation feel layered and varied because there'll be art hanging over graphic wallpaper. I think that this will help in an area where we can help break down the idea of what is art and it can be in many types of creativity and medium and type and from all different types of people. Yeah, because you actually come from a design background and you yeah. like all things design. I do. Architecture, it, name it and Cooper Hewitt, right? Yeah, pretty much. And I, and I just am fascinated with this idea of how a space or uh, something immersive can help persuade someone to have an experience without having to say, this is the experience you're going to have. It does it for you. And it slows people down. And I'm also interested in trying to show a lot of our guests, what is the art in their regular life? That cup you're drinking coffee out of was designed by someone. There's a whole history of that. And I'm fascinated by like the regular things we use and where it came from. That's a nerdy area where I can just dive in, but right. <laughs> um, you know that's what I'm interested in, and it's really cool because in the last room, actually, I was having lunch randomly with this artist who was in town, Kendall Carter, and he, I was talking about this idea, and he goes, "Whoa, this is weird because I'm working on a whole new body of work, and it totally is about this, about floral ornamentation, and about how this has infiltrated design and society." And I was like, oh, wow, super cool. Long story short, now he's loaning two of his new paintings that have never been seen before into this show. And so I think that one of the coolest things about this area is people coming into it all the time and networking and being able to capitalize on people's talents and interests to make a really moving and powerful show. Yeah, and that's also a little insight in how curation works sometimes, you know, just having a conversation with an artist, you know, maybe about something else. And before you know it, You've got something beautiful and brand new. Yeah, exactly. So how are you working with Trails and Grounds? We talked to Cody a minute ago. (laughs) So tell me a little bit more about that collaboration. We had this idea, which is 
we want the feeling of the exhibition to feel layered and feckened and like you are when you're outside in the garden where you see long distances, but you also see you see the micro and the macro coming together. And so we had a meeting with Cody and what we did is we kind of gave him the checklist and talked through the idea. And he was like, okay, give me a minute. And then we met a little while later and he had all of these connection points of artwork that you will see in the show that's maybe on our ground. So maybe there's a flower that's blooming currently at Crystal Bridges that we have a heed study of. Or one of the coolest things I remember that Cody told me was about flowers that pollinate at night. And that there's a there's a, a heed study of one of those. And we also have uh, flowers that are pollinating at night hmm. on our grounds. And so we kind of had this idea of what if we literally blur the boundary between indoors and outdoors. And we have uh, essentially a guide that tells guests once they leave the exhibition in the garden, this is what's on bloom. This is what's currently on view in our grounds, essentially. So it'll guide guests through the 120 acres to show them what they should see and and hopefully kind of drive home those connection points between visual art and our natural world. Wow. So uh, how long will this exhibition be on view? This exhibition will open on April 21st and it will run through October 15th. Wow. So it's actually covering yes. <laughs> like three, three seasons. Yes. And that's one of the funny things is I kind of was asking, you know, I was hoping that not everything would be on bloom like in the first couple of months of the show. Right. Because people are going to be here in October. <laughs> um, and one of the coolest things that Cody told us is that actually we have different types of vegetation that are kind of in their peak moments through that whole season. I may not be using all the right words because this is a new area for me. Cody's giving me a, a thumbs up, so <laughs> it's going okay. Yeah, and I don't know. I I don't know if, you know, one of our fundamental missions is like the intersection of art and nature. And I don't know if we, if our two departments have partnered in this way before. And so I'm really excited to kind of lay the ground and say, okay, this is an experiment and let's see how it works to then hopefully spark further integration and like other experiences that are totally merging these two foundations of who we are. Well, listen, Dylan, thanks a lot for being with us and sharing all about the garden. Yes, I'm so excited. Please come and see it. And more importantly, you know, enjoy spring and flowers and the world around us. Indeed. Celebrate the beauty of Crystal Bridges trails and grounds with our fourth annual garden party. Join us on Saturday, June 16th, to enjoy fantastic music as part of Walton Art Center's Artosphere Festival. Explore a native plant and seed sale, participate in art making, and so much more. More information can be found at crystalbridges.org. Thanks for tuning in to Museum Way. We hope you enjoyed the episode and that you'll tune in each month to hear more. Don't forget to head over to our social media channels and leave a question or comment about what you'd like to hear on future episodes. I'm Stace Treat, and I'll catch you next month right here on Museum Way.